Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Jesus declared in John 12:49 that he spoke only what the Father commanded him to say and how the Father commanded him to say it. Regrettably, we all fail almost daily in how we use our words, in the things we say, and how we say them. Let's make it our goal to increasingly speak what Jesus would have us to speak and how he would have us to say it. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 12 and continue to study the incredible words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It's a Sunday afternoon here in Texas, and hopefully y'all are loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus. We say it every time because it's worth repeating every time. There's nothing in our life that's of greater value, that's of more benefit than spending time with Jesus, growing to know him, spending time in the scriptures and the living word of God, spending time in prayer in praise and worship and thanksgiving, spending time in repentance, you know, when we make mistakes. Um, all of these things are things we get to do and they, they draw us closer in our relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord. So thank you, Lord Jesus. So, well, today, thank you, Lord. We're gonna finish up John chapter 12. Um, we're gonna do verses 41 to 50 today. And uh, man, I think this is, it's going to be five teachings in uh, in John twelve, and it's just been a it's been an amazing chapter. It's been a blessing just uh, preparing for this. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the living word of God, Father. We thank you that the word of God feeds us and transforms us and cleanses us as we're washed in the water of the word of God. But Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and God and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us and living a perfect life for us, dying a perfect death for us. And we thank you and worship you today, our risen Savior. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. Open your word to our hearts. We ask you to give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, John chapter 12, verses 41 to 50. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, when a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words, but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, 
but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So I believe I did verse 41 last time. I'll just, we're going to go over it again. So this is around 700 BC when we have the book of Isaiah. Um, and, and when it says in 41, Isaiah said this and you know, and John quotes Isaiah in the previous verses, uh, the gospel writer John says, Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus's glory and he spoke about him. Um, the last teaching we did, um, Stephen, the guy who heads up all the IT um, for Kingdom D, um, you know, he had not gone and studied, you know, Isaiah and what he said, and he was really moved by the entire chapter of Isaiah 53. Um, and, uh, you know, and so we were talking about it, that the fact that Isaiah, 700 years before Christ, saw Jesus's glory and spoke about him. And where he saw it is in Isaiah chapter six, if you wanna go there. It says in chapter six of Isaiah, in the year that King Isaiah died, Isaiah speaking, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Wow, that's Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 5. He said, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And what John is saying here in Isaiah 12, verse 41, is that this is Jesus that Isaiah is seeing. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus's glory. So this King, this Lord Almighty Isaiah is looking at is actually Jesus. Again, we, as Christians, and certainly the entire world that aren't Christians, but we, we, we don't really know who we're dealing with with Jesus Christ. Jesus is God Almighty. Even when we, we read these upcoming verses here, right, Rap? We're just gonna see the statements that Jesus makes cannot be made unless he's God, right, Becky? I mean, it's uh, it's amazing. So again, 700 years before this, the prophet Isaiah, one of the major prophets of the Old Testament, major meaning it's, you know, one of the longest books of the Old Testament. You know, there really aren't major and minor prophets before God. But when you look at the prophet, say, you know, Jonah, right, there are four chapters you know, where in Isaiah, you know, you're rolling up, you know, 59 chapters, I believe, right? Um, I'm sorry, golly, 60, 66 chapters, that's right, 66 chapters in Isaiah. And, uh, 
you know, and so Isaiah is called a major prophet because there's so much written there. But uh, but before God, there, you know, Isaiah is say not greater than Jonah or Malachi or you know or any of the prophets, Zechariah. Um, so thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, verse forty-two. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. So now even the Jewish leaders, even the, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, the scribes, um, even they were believing in Jesus. They were putting their, their faith in Jesus Christ. They believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. But it goes on to say in verse 42, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. So they believed in Jesus, but they were they were worried about what you know the main leaders of the you know of the synagogue would say. They were they were concerned about you know the the big time pastors and elders and teachers of their day. They were more concerned about their thoughts and their opinion. And they were worried about their condemnation. And this is still common today. You know, this spirit still operates in the body of Christ today where, you know, we are as Christians, you know, oftentimes we're more concerned about church and what goes on at church, particularly when we're pastors and teachers and elders of that church or of a ministry. Um, and again, we can all be guilty of this and are um, where we're, again, more concerned about our particular church, our particular ministry, um, and people, you know, coming to that, then we are about the advancement of the kingdom of God, the gospel of God, and of course, the son of God, Jesus Christ. And Father, I do ask you to forgive us of this, Father. I, um, I ask you to forgive us, Father, where again, we're, where we are looking for praise from men and women about our ministry more so than we're looking to glorify Jesus. Um, forgive us, Father, and ask you to help us, Holy Spirit. It, it's, a, it's a subtle thing, you know, unless it's something we're paying attention to. It, it's something that can happen to us, you know, very, very easily. Um, you know, as, as church leaders, again, yet at the same time, even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they'd be put out of the synagogue. They didn't want to be, you know, put out of the of the religious establishment. Um, and verse 43 said, for they loved praise from men more than praise from God. And, and so, again, it's just uh, it's something that as leaders, as pastors, as elders, as teachers, um, you know, as just church leaders, it's just something we want to really look into our hearts because, again, foolishly, I think we all just assume we don't have this problem where if you're in the church today, you should more assume you do have the problem. I should assume that I do have the problem, look into myself and consistently look for ways that I, you know, I just need to, to make sure that I'm looking for praise less and less from men and women and more and more from God. I mean, ideally, we would look only from praise from God and not seek at all praise from men and women. 
you know, but the reality is we do, you know, we like it when people like our sermons or when they're blessed by our ministry. And, and of course, that's a natural thing, um, you know, to be encouraged and to, to like the affirmation. But we live in a culture where, uh, you know, where people live on affirmation, where people live on encouragement. And, and when we don't get enough of it, um, I mean, we can just, uh, you know, we're, we're just capable of doing all kinds of things to draw praise to ourselves when what we should be looking for is praise from Jesus, praise from our Heavenly Father, praise from the Holy Spirit. Um, that ought to be the desire of our heart. And again, Father, I ask you to, to just forgive us, to give us eyes to see individually as church leaders and, uh, and ministers and pastors and teachers. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear that we might we might repent of this, Lord, and that we might have a heart one and all as leaders in the body of Christ and as Christians in general uh, to love praise from you, Father, more than praise from men and women. For they love praise from men more than praise from God. Have mercy on us, Lord. Verse 44, then Jesus cried out. Now, this is saying that Jesus literally did raise his voice and cried out. And this is, Jesus doesn't often do this. It's a rare thing for Jesus to raise his voice. Jesus is generally always under control. But here it says, then Jesus cried out. And this is going to be the last time I learned this in my study from the scholars I was studying, that Jesus is going to speak to the public at large. And he says here in the, in the Gospel of John, and remember, 50% of the Gospel of John relates to the last week of Jesus' life. This is going to be the, the last time he addresses the public at large. Verse 44, then Jesus cried out. So he is yelling now, when a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. So again, listen to that statement. Right, Uncle Dennis? When a man believes in me, now remember, Jesus is, you know, he's 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 in the temple courts here, probably. Um, it's the time of Passover. We've talked about how probably around 250,000 people are, you know, are, are in Jerusalem around this time. Um, it's the it's the biggest feast of the year. And 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 Jesus and, and people hear him say this. When a man believes in me, when you put your trust in Jesus Christ and faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the Savior for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, and for you to escape eternity in hell, when you believe in Jesus, it's, he said, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. So when you believe and trust in Jesus Christ, you're believing in the Father as well, and actually in the Holy Spirit. But... To trust in, in Jesus Christ is also to trust in God the Father. Remember, we have a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all God. They are three separate beings, all God. They're all all-knowing. They're all all-powerful. They're all everywhere, omnipresent. And they all have the nature of God. Right, Kyle? Um, the reason I emphasize that is because it's important to know that they are three separate beings that all have the nature of God. 
They're one in the fact that they're all God. It is not, it is not one God manifesting himself in three ways. So thank you, Lord Jesus. When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. Verse 45, when he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. Just listen to that statement. Listen to what Jesus says here, May. When he looks at me. So again, just picture yourself. The crowds are there. And Jesus says to the crowds, when a man or woman looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. Jesus just said, when you see me, you see God the Father. Again, it's a statement that is so bold, so off the chain, so to speak, that unless the speaker is himself God, it's lunacy. Jesus just said, when you've seen me, when you look at me, excuse me, when you look at me, you see my father as well. Jesus said to look at me is to look at the father. So again, unless he's God, this, the, the man is a lunatic, as C.S. Lewis said, like there's never been, or a liar, like there's never, ever, ever been. John 12, 45, when he looks at me, when you and I look at Jesus, he sees the one who sent me. You see God the Father. To see Jesus, who's God, is to see God the Father. And in the manifestation of Jesus as God, and when you see God the Father as God, you see the Holy Spirit as God as well. Verse 46, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Are you believing and trusting in Jesus Christ today for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? The scripture is clear that without Jesus, none of us will see heaven. And regrettably, the only other place, as the scripture is clear, is, is to spend eternity in hell separated from the triune God. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Uh, John 1.12 says that to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received Jesus Christ today? For the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. Are you trusting in him? To believe in Jesus means to trust in Jesus, to rely on Jesus, to cling to Jesus as your only hope, to know that you are hopeless, helpless, desperate without him. Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not our words that save us. It's Jesus that saves us. But, you know, it's our words that we use to communicate to the Lord, right? But ha have, you, have you acknowledged your sinfulness to the Lord? Have you come before the Lord and acknowledged to him that, and confessed to him that you're hopeless and that you're helpless and that you're desperate? And have you called on Jesus and received him as your Savior? If you've never received Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, you can reach out to him now. Now, again, use the words that I'm going to use here, but it's the, it's, the, it's the sincerity and genuineness of your heart that means everything. 
So if you're not sure, you can simply call out to him today in prayer and just, just pray, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinful person. I know that I'm a sinner, Lord. Lord, I believe the word of God that says that I'm, I am hopeless and helpless and that there's nothing I can do to save myself from my sin. But Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. And I believe you came into this world and, and lived that life for me, lived that perfect life for me and that you died a perfect death for me. And Lord Jesus, I believe you are alive and risen today. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. A Christian is someone who's trusting in Jesus Christ. Now, that's how you receive him, right? And I'll say again, you can use those words, but it's, it's, it's the genuineness of our heart in calling out to Jesus. And, you know, as a Christian today, if you have received him, right, Jesus says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. If, if, you, if you're not a Christian today, if you're not trusting and relying on Jesus Christ alone, you are in darkness. What does that mean? You don't see anything with regards to God. Without Jesus, we can have no comprehension of who God is in any manner or in any way. So yes, there is no other religion, any religion there is, that Jesus Christ is not the central figure, God the Son, the Son of God, becoming a man, dying on a cross, raising from the dead. Without that belief, then there is no concept of God whatsoever in any manner or in any way. You're in complete darkness and you can't see or understand anything. That's what he means here. So that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Once you receive Jesus Christ, then God begins to make sense to you. Now you come into relationship with the triune God. Only in biblical Christianity do you actually have a relationship with God. God the Father becomes your heavenly Father. He's your Father. Jesus becomes your Lord and Savior and Master and King and Friend. You have this relationship with God the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit becomes your guide, your counselor, your comforter. And you, again, you have relationship with each member of the Holy Trinity. It's incredible. But it's only in Jesus. And, and I mean, it's like I have to keep saying this over and over and over and over because no one gets it. That is not an intolerant thing to say. That is the plain, unambiguous teaching of the Bible. It's not confusing. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I mean, again, slow down and listen to those words. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is not an ambiguous statement, right? That's not confusing, Jose. It's clear, Esther. Are you trusting and relying on Jesus Christ today, Melanie? Have you given your life to him? 
Because without it, Pop, without Jesus, we're in darkness. So the most loving thing we can do is to continually, lovingly exhort people to come to Jesus. And then after we come to Jesus, to live for him. Right, Tommy? All right, verse 47. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world but to save it. Right, John 3.17. You remember the, the famous verse, right, Dustin, in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The next verse, John 3.17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the, but that the world might be saved through him. And so Jesus says in 47, as for the person who hears my words, but does not keep them. Jesus has given you his word that he's the savior. God has given his word. And if you reject that, Jesus says his purpose was not, not to judge you, but to save you. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. Now, again, you notice it says the world. Again, I'll, I'll be blue in the face, purple in the face, certainly red in the face, saying this over and over. Hear the words of Jesus like you've never heard him, May. Let this get deep down into your soul of who you're dealing with here. As for the person who hears my words, listen to this guy talk, but does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. So again, unless he is God, the ramifications of these words are, are, are almost incomprehensible. He just said, I, me, did not come to judge the world. So do you see the place he puts himself? He speaks as if he's God Almighty, which he certainly is. Because if he's not, the whole thing is nonsense and ridiculous. No one has ever spoken like this. No one ever said anything like this. No one from anywhere in the Bible, no one outside the Bible, right? Just whoever you want to think of, no one spoke like this. No, quote, holy man, no godly man in the Bible or out of Bible. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. Out of his own mouth, he came to save the whole world. The whole world needs Jesus. Everyone in the world needs Jesus. And he came to save the world. The, the profoundness of the statement is, again, it's beyond understanding. But the force of the statement, the power of the statement, the audacity of the statement, I mean, it's know who you're dealing with when you're dealing with Jesus. Almighty God. Verse 48, there is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. So there will be a judgment when you reject the words of Jesus. There will be a judgment. And he says that very word which I spoke will condemn him on the last day. These words that Jesus is speaking, and that is his ministers and Christians all over the world that are repeating over and over and over and over, billions and billions and billions and billions, if not trillions of times, right? Maybe quadrillions of times, right? 
Um, that's a lot of times, right? Remember, it takes a thousand million to make a billion. One thousand million make one billion. It takes a thousand billion to make a trillion and a thousand trillion to make a quadrillion, right? And these words are said over and over and over and over. So when we reject Jesus, when someone rejects Jesus, the very words that Jesus spoke and that have been repeated for the centuries over and over and over and over, a near infinite amount of times, those words will judge the people who rejected Jesus Christ and would not accept them. So give your life to Jesus today, I beg you. Verse 49, for I did not speak of my own accord. So again, he's going to back up here. He's trying to drive home to us and all those who can hear him that he's not speaking on his own. Verse 49, for I did not speak of my own accord, but the father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. So, so again, you see that he's affirming the, his relationship with the father. He's saying, God the Father, who's the one, he came to earth obedient to God the Father. And it's God the Father that's commanding him to say these words. So again, you're rejecting the word of God the Father when you're rejecting the words of Christ. There is no knowing the Father without Jesus. That's again why every human being in the world and only Jesus Christ will save us from our sins, bring us into relationship with the triune God, and ultimately bring us to heaven when we die and rescue us from eternal hell. Only Jesus. If Again, if you just read the words slowly and think about them, it's unambiguous. For I did not speak on my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say. Now, this is a profound verse here. Think about the ramifications of this. When Jesus spoke all these words that we hear in the Gospels, whenever you hear Jesus speaking, Jesus is speaking only what God the Father has commanded him to say. Imagine if you and I, Jesse, spoke only what Jesus commanded us to say. There'd be a whole lot less talking in the world. Lord, I, I don't even know what to say to that. I mean, as human beings, we say the most ridiculous things over and over and over and over and over. We just say ridiculous things. I mean, again, in my own life, I have to repent over, over my misuse of words often daily. Lord, somehow, I, I don't know, Lord, you spoke only what the Father commanded you to say. And not only that, how to say it? So he's in such intimacy with the Father. Jesus and the Father are so intimately just intertwined in such an intimate relationship that everything he says is exactly what the Father commanded him to say, everything. And not only what to say, but how to say it. The tone or the, the expression of it or the force of it is exactly how the father wanted him to say it. Again, for I did not speak of my own accord, verse John 12, 49, but the father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. Yeah, 
uh, again, um, no, no one in history has said anything like this, not in any manner in any way. Father, I ask you to help us. Lord Jesus, help us to more and more speak what you would have us to speak. And please forgive us. Forgive me just for the, the seeming, seemingly consistent foolishness that comes from our mouth. And, and for the most part, we do not recognize it. And, and again, this is just as Christians, as pastors, as teachers, as elders, as church leaders. We, we don't recognize it and we don't care. Um. And, you know, our words are important, right? Uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, what is it? Matthew 12, 36, 37, right? That, uh, that every careless word we speak will be brought into account. I think it's right around there. Verse 50. I know that his command leads to eternal life. Again, Jesus speaking. John 12, verse 50. I know that his command leads to eternal life. What's the Father's command? Give your life to Jesus Christ. Trust in Jesus Christ. Rely on Jesus Christ. Cling to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, I know it. He's certain. He's certain about everything. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the father has told me to say. And the father told Jesus to say that he's the only way. It, it, can't, it can't be any more clear. Again, it's not nebulous. It's not confusing. It's not ambiguous. It's, uh, it's plain. The words are clear. Give your life to Jesus Christ today. And if you are a Christian today, then, then let's start living for him, right? Let's start, uh, let's start living our lives, right, Scott, for Jesus a little bit more, moment by moment, day by day, because it's, it's really the only thing in life that's going to mean anything when everything is said and done. Well, Father, we do thank you again for your word. We thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness on our lives. We, we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you, Father, for the living word of God. Father, again, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming and willingly becoming a human man and living your life for us and giving us these words that we would not have if you didn't come. And Lord, we thank you with, you know, words cannot express, Lord the thanksgiving and honor and praise and love you deserve. That you came and lived your life for us and died that torturous death for us. And we thank you that you are alive and risen today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal the message to our hearts now. We thank you for the living word of God. We love you and we bless you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.